This is Conquering Columbus. Hey everybody, Andy here, filling in for Mike, who's recovering from a bit of a cold that's been going around. Hope you feel better soon, bud. On this episode of Conquering Columbus, Mike is chatting with Monty Ragland and Monica Dominic from PSI. Monty and Monica recently took over ownership of PSI after working there for a while, and early on in the episode, Mike asked about what stood out to them about the previous owner and CEO of PSI, Keith Stevens. He seemed to have a better grasp of how to mix business with social impact, and that money's not about everything. And I, I recognized after a few conversations with him that it's exactly how I always felt things should be. Business doesn't have to always be cutthroat for you to be successful. Business doesn't have to always be 100% about dollars for you to make money. The board that we both sat on was called Community for New Direction, and it is all around helping inner-city children find the right path and stay on it. So drug-free, violence-free, alcohol-free, these were things that drove me to just help the community that helps me and seeing Keith in that capacity as well, that was big to me. Later, they talked about what the transition of ownership has been like so far and what they're still working on today. The transition is still in, still in flight and getting that right mix and balance of day-to-day, day-to-day ops and what's priority versus strategic, visionary planning and engagement, what the time for each really should be. They wrap up the show talking about the importance of failure as a learning tool and how they actually encourage failure at PSI. Most people, similar to me, didn't grow up in a household where you were taught to fail and that it was okay. Now that we have a culture, we have a culture in our organization where you can ask anybody in the organization, I'm like, just run 100 miles an hour and, and fall down and bust your face, make a mistake, we'll clean it up. That's how you learn, but fail fast. All right, that's it for this preview. We hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And today I am flying solo. Josh had a last-minute travel for work obligation. So it's just me today. But luckily, we've got two guests this time, which is a bit of a special occasion. So I'm really excited to be talking with our guests today. In this episode, we're talking with Monty Raglan and Monica Dominic. And Monty is the CEO, and Monica is the Chief Client Officer of Pro Team Solutions, Inc., Pro Team Solutions was previously owned by brothers Keith and Doug Stevens, but they recently wrapped up a deal to sell the company to Monica and Monty, staving off several outside offers to ensure a smooth transition to new ownership and maintaining the company as minority owned. And really excited to be talking with Monty and Monica about their careers, what the process of buying the company was like, and their plans for the future at Pro Team, and a whole lot more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Happy yeah. to be here. You did good so far, Mike. Well, yeah. you know what? It's What's funny is if you've heard, you, you mentioned you listened to a couple of the episodes. I did. And, uh, you know, I mentioned we have an editor, so nobody ever gets to hear the double, triple, third, fourth, fifth intro that I have to oh, lift okay. off because right. I mess it up. So, right. yeah, everyone knows that I end up saying something ridiculous and awkward and like always pause and there's a lot of cuts. That's all I got to say. But... First off, where we like to start is uh, just getting a little background on both of yourselves and how we kind of got to where we are today with the pro team. So mm. maybe we'll start with Monty. Oh, okay. We can start with me. So how I got to a pro team, I'll try to keep it brief, which I'm not known for doing, but, um, you know, uh, I'm from Columbus. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm from Columbus, born and raised in Columbus City Schools graduate, Lyndon McKinley, graduate from there, Howard University in Washington, D.C., Fun fact, Kamala Harris was a classmate at Howard. Didn't know her, 
didn't know her. Not saying I knew her. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, That's the first didn't. time I've heard this. Really? Yeah. No. Well, she knew my crew and I knew her crew. Mm-hmm. We didn't know each other. <laughs> so like if you call her up right now, she'd, she'd, she'd be like, I don't know yeah. you. But she'd if I like, say, Who? oh, no, I used to hang with so-and-so and so, you know, she'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a Cali girl. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Howard University, business major, mostly finance, a little bit of management information systems. Uh, worked for Ohio State for a number of years, had my own business for a number of years, much smaller business than Pro Team Solutions, but found my way back into this industry by actually this industry found me. Right. Uh, and that happens for a lot of people who really find their way in life. The business or what they find themselves in found them and they just recognized, hey, this feels like where I'm supposed to be. That's what happened for me about almost 30 years ago. So I'm telling my age. But yeah, I've been in the business about 30 years, uh, a couple of different companies prior to ProTeam Solutions. But the last company I worked for prior to ProTeam happened to continuously run across Keith Stevens. We would wind up being at events, in competitive events almost, together. And um, not knowing that we both grew up one block away from each other. Uh, and, And we didn't know each other, but our families grew up one block away from each other. We didn't know each other. That's wild. Yeah. And so over some coffees, after I was uh, in a transition, a few coffees of getting to know each other, he put an offer on the table. And so we talked it through and I, I felt like it was the right move for me. So that's how I got to uh, Pro Team Solutions originally. And before we jump into Monica's background and how you got here as well, I realized I left something out of the intro, which is what exactly does Pro Team do? Mm. Mono, you want to handle that or you want me to go run with it? I'm happy to handle that. (laughs) I know you are. (laughs) Uh, So Pro Team Solutions, we also go by PSI. So a Mm -hmm. lot of times you, uh, I know here on Monty's uh, chest there, it's written, but PSI, we are an IT staff augmentation firm, been in business 30 years now. We just had our 30 year anniversary on September 2nd. So we, thank you very much. We specialize in finding IT technology or in anything in that technology capacity, preferably in the long-term contract sector. Mm -hmm. We can do some direct hire and we do some temp to hire as well. Okay, But we work with uh, many of the big companies in town. So the Fortune 50s and 100s in town, Mm -hmm. all the way to some of the mom and pop uh, shops that need some IT bandwidth in some high level IT services. So that's when we kind of come in. We are located here in Columbus, Ohio. That's where our corporate headquarters are. However, we will support our clients wherever they are across the country. Awesome. Okay. So it's a little bit of a mix of maybe outsourced IT staffing, but also, hey, we need a server install. We need equipment. No equipment. No, no we don't do any server installations, equipment. We don't as a company, but mm-hmm. if you need that done and you have the bandwidth to your IT department is going to handle that directly and you need installers right. or you need a Deep. network guy to come in and help with that or mm-hmm. a project manager to come in and oversee it. We will find that person for you to add to your team. Got it. So we both, do not do managed service stuff. So, so mostly recruiting and finding All talent. recruiting. All recruiting. Finding. That's Correct. exactly so what we, we, we do. We bring the subject matter expertise to the table. Mm-hmm. That's primarily what we do. Right. You know. Okay, so you could also help me decide what type of IT person Correct. I need for yes. my for my company. And we, we do actually, a lot with- So we have partners. Like if you said, hey, Monty, we need uh, help with uh, some infrastructure right. implementations. We would tell you that's not our expertise, but here are several partners that mm-hmm. they will be involved in helping to bring that 
hardware or whatever it is yep. you need to the table. And on the backside, the people that they uh, have do it will find right. and bring those people to the table. Got Correct. It. And we'll also handle a lot of kind of consultative counseling with some of our clients. Mm -hmm. So if they know they need something and they're not sure what it is, a lot of times we'll get those phone calls to just to hear about what industry trends are right now, what's going on in the industry, what we see as a benefit or a negative with a particular vendor they might be looking at mm -hmm. or a tool or a software. So we also get that call to assist them in just helping make the decisions. Fantastic. Okay. That helps a lot. So now back to what's your story? Yeah, my story. My parents moved around all over the country. So um, I moved many states before I was 10 years old. I had lived in, you know, six or seven different states, got to Columbus though, went to high school here in Westerville and then took my time getting out of college. I think I went to four different universities in 11 years before my undergrad, um, moved all over the country and just enjoyed myself Came back to Columbus to finish my undergrad degree and kind of stuck. Uh, stayed here for a while and got into, I was working with some of the big companies in town, uh, all around marketing. My master's is in marketing and communication, as is my undergrad. And I was on a board for a nonprofit. Nonprofits are big in my heart. And I was on a board for a nonprofit sitting mm -hmm. with Keith Stevens, who was the chairman of the board at the time. Mm -hmm. Three years into that board, he asked me if I knew someone who wanted to come onto his sales team. And I said, are you asking if I know someone or is that a roundabout way of asking me? Uh, and here we are, 10 years later, I've been with the company. So the only thing I knew about IT, to Monty's point, is how some people just kind of end up in it. Mm -hmm. The only thing I knew about IT was how to spell it. I knew nothing about IT. Everything that I did was all marketing. So now here I am, an owner. Yeah, and so both of you spent some decent amount of time with the company. And it sounds like both of you were brought in by Keith. So I'm curious, both of you have been with the company a while. And based on that story, both your stories, Keith seems integral to bringing you into the conversation. What about Keith drew you in? What about Keith really stood out? One of the things for me was when we would have these, uh, these little coffee meetings to get to know each other a little better. I recognized that in his approach to business and we were in the same industry doing things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But his approach was very similar to mine, but he seemed to have a little more grasp of why he had that approach. I often found myself prior to PSI doing things. Uh, man, I was managing a, a large team, an organization that was actually a little bit larger than the company we now own, just because that's who I was and not with a true North Star, mm -hmm. other than Monty thinks this, this is the right way. And I, right. But I really didn't have something I was following, like, oh. And he seemed to have a better grasp mm -hmm. of how to mix business with social impact, right? Mm -hmm. And that money's not about everything. And I recognized after a few conversations with him that it's exactly how I always felt things should be. Business mm -hmm. doesn't have to always be cutthroat for you to be successful. Business doesn't have to always be 100% about dollars for you to make money mm -hmm. or for you to be successful. And success is defined differently by different people. So you have to define it for yourself. He clearly had, in my mind, what he thought was successful in his grasp and was uh, moving towards it. And so when he made a, um, gave me the opportunity, I said, let's, uh, let's do it mm -hmm. and let's see if it works because I feel like it's the right move for me. 
Uh, it's just how he engages people, how he goes about business and what's priority in his life. And life is like everything, not just business, but personal. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I think it relates to what you said about knowing your North star, but I find it funny that, you know, every company you go to, they've got a mission statement, values, core values, all this stuff. But how many of us individually have our own mission statement and our own core values as a person? And uh, I went through seven habits training. That was something they had you do. And it's a lot harder to write that out and come mm-hmm. up with those things than you would think it would be. So I think knowing someone, but you can really tell when someone does have that core belief and those core values and that mission statement inside their head because it changes the way they go about their lives. So that makes a lot of sense. Monica, what about you? Yeah, for me, it's uh, kind of similar in the story, only mine did not start with work associations and affiliations. Mm -hmm. It was around the nonprofit board. And the board that we both sat on was called Community for New Direction. And it is all around helping inner city children find the right path and stay on it. So drug-free, violence-free, alcohol-free from elementary school and younger all the way up through um, high school and then even into college. So being adamant about supporting our community Mm -hmm. is a big part for me. And you talk about a personal mission statement. These were things that drove me young in my career to just help the community that helps me and where I live and where I work and seeing Keith in that capacity as well. That was big to me, mm-hmm. you know, and I was in my early thirties and aging myself a bit, but early thirties when I was on that board and watching him in the integrity that he worked in. And to Monty's point, it wasn't about him trying to make a dollar. It was about him trying to give away dollars mm-hmm. and trying to help in this nonprofit capacity, which spoke really adamantly into my desires in my life. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I could see why you'd both be drawn to that. So I'm curious when you first get there, right? I always ask this question to people, especially when they start new jobs. But when you first got there, what did you expect and what was different? So can I take that? (laughs) Yeah, please. Because I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) say. So I've been there 10 years and Monty's been there eight years. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to go first on there just because I've got a little tenure, got some seniority. (laughs) But when I got there, I did not know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I was coming from big corporations, Mm -hmm. the Fortune 50s in the world. And now here I am in a small company in Columbus, Ohio. How many people were on the team at the time? Um, at the time, I think there were 15. Okay. And we did more non-IT staffing than we did technology staffing. So I was brought on to grow the technology staffing team mm-hmm. uh, and the staff augmentation team. But keep in mind, again, we're talking about a language I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to speak it. So I thought I would be able to, with charm and personality, wow clients. And man, is that not true? In this industry, it's, I mean, it gets you somewhere, right? If you yep. can come in and have a conversation, of course, that's sales is predicated right. on personality. So I can do that, but I couldn't keep my seat at the table. I wouldn't have any idea what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. So I could just bring the right people to the table. So it was a big learning curve. And I was used to getting into any position and just doing good. Right. And that's not the way it is in the technology world. Yeah. I think that's very true. Right. I mean, I started out selling copiers. That was my first sales job. Keeps too. Yeah. Copiers. Hey, they'll tell you what, they'll chew you up and spit you out, but you learn a lot. And so I did that for a little bit and then got into tech sales, got into software sales, right? And the level of knowledge required when you're talking to, I mean, 
I still, when I get an IT guy in the room and he starts grilling me, I say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Hey, I know just enough to right, be dangerous, right, but right. let Amen. me go get my engineer. That's right. That's right? Right. Like, right. I don't need to give you the wrong answer. So That's yeah, right. it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And then now, you know, the conversations that we're having when we talk about consultative selling, mm -hmm. we're talking to CIOs of mega, right. huge clients in the industry. And now we can sit and have high level conversations. Mm -hmm. But you're right, though, if I've got a developer in the room or somebody in security and they're talking yeah. about hacking, I'm like, nah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you want to have it. if you want to have that consultative partnership, right. They have to see you as having a minimum requisite knowledge before they'll even consider thinking of you that way, right? right. If they should come in and ask something with, you got another lingo, you got to know what right. they're talking about. Otherwise they look at you and go, nah. nah. And I'd be amiss if I didn't bring up that the biggest difference in going from the Fortune 50 and Fortune 100 companies to a small one is I'm not siloed. It mm -hmm. wasn't just Monica gets to wear this one hat and that's all she gets to do. no. It was, you mm -hmm. know, pushing me outside of that comfort zone fast and sink or swim. And I just kept swimming. And six months into my job, I started asking Keith for equity ownership. There you go. And he kept saying no. But now I'm like, ha ha. Right. I own the company the now. I'm one of on the winners. One. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fantastic. And, and Monty, what about you? Oh my goodness. I thought I would have an answer by now. Um, <laughs> no also, I came from a much larger organization and uh, when I arrived, but in seat uh, day one, I realized the revenue streams were very narrow, not enough diversity in the revenue streams or in volume, you know, not enough volume. So there was quite a bit tied up into a couple of particular clients. Correct. There was a high risk yeah. of someone leaving. And it just wasn't a lot coming in the door. Yep. Quite frankly, um, there wasn't very much, like Monica said, when I got there, was, I think we had 80% um, of our revenues were outside of the technology space. And that was pretty much all technology, which is why I wind up there. Keith, what his vision was, just wasn't where they were yet. But the vision that he had I agreed with. And so I felt like we can do this, mm -hmm. you know, and let's just do this maybe at six months at a clip and every six months, let's review where we are versus where we want to be. And if we're not making progress towards it, you know, and we're not agreeing on things, then I'll move on. But I was like, I think I can help make a few tweaks and some changes, but you have some people, Monica was already there. There were some people that were there that was like, they can do it. They need to change a little bit about what they are doing. And then we'll be off and running. And so a little more communication. There was some communication gaps and that sometimes tends to happen when you have a founder that's really integral in everything. Mm -hmm. They got their hands in everything. Then communication doesn't always flow throughout the organization like it should because mm -hmm. the founder's doing everything. He's selling. He's you know yep. managing the recruiting. It just took a little bit of time for him to get comfortable with delegating and allowing others to do what they do best. Uh, and then once we got to that place and folks started to trust me, you know, because I came from the outside, then then we were off and running and we've not looked back. Just a few minor things, but the foundation was really kind of set. Yeah. We've talked to a lot of founders, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of folks running businesses. And I think that what you just mentioned, delegation, right? Delegation is one of the biggest challenges any founder faces because it's their baby. It's this thing that they built and they're so afraid of handing it off to someone and seeing it fall apart. And even when they do hand it off, they tend to be still keeping a finger, you mm -hmm. know, you know, over mm -hmm. here and like, mm -hmm. okay, keep their hands in somebody's mm -hmm. cookie jar, you know? Yeah. And so it can be very challenging for founders to fully 
let go of a certain aspect of the business. So mm. that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So as things change over time, you're both been there for a little bit now. And as we approach kind of today, right, what changed over time and what made you stay as long as you both did? Um, I'll take this one first. I think what changed over time is we started to um, subscribe to a business model and operating system called uh, EOS. I'll, you know, I'll just say it because a lot of people subscribe to it. And if you're not familiar with EOS, it's entrepreneurial operating system. And it's just a methodology and process for how you manage your business and gaining grasp of your people, making sure you got the right people, you're capturing the right data, mm -hmm. that you are starting to document and mature your processes and that you're addressing issues. But it all starts with making sure you understand why you get up in the morning, what your values are. And once you establish those values, that's the foundation. And then you build all the other things on top of it. Once we got that established and we started that journey, probably 2017, 2016, 2017, it took some time to really get it all documented, to make sure that um, we had buy-in from the team and that we didn't put something together, including what our mission statement, our values were that just came from top down, that we got input from the folks that, you know, what I call the foot soldiers, people that get it done on a day-to-day -day basis. That's when you started to see, you know, what they call now traction. Once you get all that together, you start to gain some traction in your business and in your industry. And so I think we started to gain traction and some of the folks that have been around for a while started to see us just really start to take off 20, 30 percent growth year after year after year. And that was one of the major changes. But it was really just kind of documenting values and, mm -hmm. and getting some simple things, mm -hmm. doing those well and then executing. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. You know, I talk a lot to my team here at FMX about I don't know if you've ever seen the speech. It's a Navy admiral talking to the graduating class of the Naval Academy, I believe, or maybe it's Texas. I can't remember exactly which graduating class, but he says, if you want to change the world, make your bed, is what he says. And he's talking about doing the small things right day after day, and that builds to big mm -hmm. positive changes. And I think you can't do the small things right unless you understand your values and you understand why you're doing those things. So I think that makes right. a ton of sense. And, right. and that makes a lot of sense to me. Monica, what about you? Well, so... I'm just going to go there. I'm going to tell you, a, a share a little story, how Monty was talking beforehand when Keith was overseeing everything mm -hmm. and not allowing the company to grow as it was. I mean, he was a, the conduit of growth, but when he was trying to take ownership of everything, both Monty and I reported to Keith mm -hmm. and I am really bad at sports analogies. So you guys might have to help me with this, but okay. it was, we didn't know 
what the other one was doing. Sure. Even though we were playing for the same team and even though we were driving for the same force, we weren't, mm-hmm. I don't know, tied in. What's the sports analogy, guys? But we weren't there, right? Even though we were playing for the same team. So we didn't see eye to eye mm-hmm. and we butted heads often and we would fight often. And there was lots of... So my football analogy is one of you is running a slant and doesn't know that the other person on the inside is running it out and you both run into each other. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's my football analogy. Does that sound right? Okay. okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, me with sports analogies. But so we were running a slant mm-hmm. and continually hitting each other, yeah. and it was not good. So there was one time Keith pulled me into his office and said, Monica, we're going to do some change. And I said, Hey, I love change as long as I don't have to report to Monty. And his. <laughs> face went white and he looked at me and I was like, oh no. And (laughs) then Monty and I, we talked. And Mm -hmm. I think once after that, we had a little tiff. And from that point, I was like, I'm going to leave. I don't like it. And then we went through a team building activity Mm -hmm. and these team buildings work. I'm telling you, we were doing some activity where we had these balls up in the air with everybody in our team without Mm -hmm. letting something drop. And Monty kept throwing it to me. And at the end of that, We did it successfully as a team very quickly. And the moderator said, I've not seen you guys do this so quickly. What do you think it was? And asked Monty. And Monty said, because I trust that Monica is going to be there. And I'm throwing her no look passes. And I know that every time she's going to be there. And from that moment on, I was like, I will follow you to the end of the (laughs) earth. And I have. So what has kept me that was five years ago, wasn't it? At least. Mm-hmm. So longer. five, six years ago, that he, this gentleman here, is what's kept me there for six years. So I would follow him anywhere now. What she didn't know was that I was fighting for her to report to me mm-hmm. all that time with Keith. Right. <laughs> I was fighting with yeah. him the whole time. Like, she's a B over here. So there's some things I can show her because I don't think that you're doing her the best service, quite frankly, mm-hmm. um, and how you're managing I've been in the business a really long time. I've seen what will assist somebody to the failure door, assist somebody to the success door. And I was like, you're not helping her towards success in the way you're leaving the, you know, just anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And towards the end of that, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but towards a couple of years in when I would follow him anywhere, Keith would say like, oh, aren't you happy that I did that? And I was like, I don't think you're allowed to talk to me. Go through Monty first. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so everything, it was then my loyalty, although I love Keith and I do anything in the world for him. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I would go to the ends of the earth with Monty. So when he tapped me on the shoulder and asked if I would join him in this journey, Mm -hmm. I talked to my husband sitting out there just to make sure. And, you know, unequivocally, it was a hell yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about that opportunity and how that kind of came about. Mm. So did Keith approach you guys or were you approaching him or was it just kind of like, hey, we know this is going to happen and we got to talk about this? Yeah, as a part of our, um, you know, one of the things that small businesses, you know, do uh, terribly Mm -hmm. is uh, plan for secession. Yeah. And so in one of our leadership meetings, probably 2018, 2019, we started to talk that through in one of our just our leadership normal Monday meeting. And the topic came up from Keith. What about you? And he was talking to me and I was like, me? Well, he has some grown sons. So I just assumed that he may uh, keep the business in the family. I assumed that I would still be running the business. I had no doubt about that. 
But I did think that it would stay in the family. So I didn't take him seriously right away. But when I realized that he was serious, it took me some time to think it through. Like, hey, you know, similar to someone else, I think that I was talking to earlier today, I was concerned about work-life balance, you know, and one of the things that when the risk is all yours at five o'clock, six o'clock, everybody else goes home and they're on to soccer practice and they sleep well. And when Mm -hmm. all the risk is yours, that's not the case all the time. You know, you have sleepless nights. I wasn't sure if I was up for it. So it took me a little time. But as I started to think it through, we had started to build, put these bricks, these concrete blocks together and his foundation was really, really solid. And so as I thought that through, I was like, well, there's nobody that's going to be able to come in and I'm going to report to them. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Right. So let me be about the business of planning what that next chapter looks like. And I realized immediately I was like, well, I have deficiencies, right? There's some things I'm really good at. There's some things that I'm okay. And some things I'm just not that good at. All right. So I've got to look at some partnerships. And I did. And I started to look at partners that actually originally had IT experience, maybe some process, because it was something I felt was maybe lacking on our leadership team. Mm -hmm. But as I talked to a couple of folks, and I did, we were in another leadership meeting. They asked me where I was in the process of deciding And I was like, I think we're there. And I think I know who I want to go with me. And it was her. And she wasn't my first choice, but it was the only choice, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. It took time to talk to people, to listen to, you know, what was going on in their lives. And sometimes, you know, your plan is not where God's leading you. Mm -hmm. And so you got to listen to your spirit, your spirit, you know, and be led by uh, higher power sometimes. And so God was telling me that this opportunity is here for you, but the way you want to go is not always the way you should go. Mm-hmm. So just listen and I'll get you there. And so um, she was supposed to be with me. Yeah. Are you saying I'm a gift from God? <laughs> is that what I heard? That's what I heard. I heard that's what I heard. Like, that's what I heard. Okay, I'm yeah. an angel is what I just heard. Oh my goodness. You know, so that was really kind of the process. Yeah. So he approaches you with this. Were you surprised or was it something that you were hoping for? Were you hoping anybody was going to approach you about? Like, talk me through that conversation. Well, I didn't know it was happening. Right. So I think that's a big thing is that I was, you know, kind of running my sales side over Mm -hmm. there, my own little happy world of clients. And they were having these conversations about succession planning behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. So um, he kind of pulled me in and said, I want to talk to you about this. And it's a lot. You know, it's one thing I've, you know, I cook a lot. I'm always in the kitchen. I'm always creating. And I've done businesses around that that have been pretty successful in the past. But again, it was me Mm -hmm. or, you know, me plus one person not taking on a very large, in my mind, a large company. How big is the team now today, by the way? We were 15 when you guys both got there. Well, so it's a weird question. So now we have, I think, eight internal, mm-hmm. but we're at about 130 yeah. billable consultants that are out in the world for us right now. And the biggest part, not to go too off script, but the biggest part is that collectively when we first started and our IT bandwidth, the average 
technologist that was out billing for us was maybe $30 an hour or $40 an hour. And now it's triple that. Yep. So those are the kind of numbers that we mm-hmm. tend to look at. But yeah. So, so shifting into more high skill. It's a hundred percent shifted yeah. in there. So yeah, when I made the decision, it was a long one. It was a hard, well, I don't know that I can say very long because we made the decision pretty quickly, but it was a conversation I had to have with my husband mm-hmm. because now it's tying me to Columbus, mm-hmm. which Monty said that <laughs> <laughs> early on to me. He said, I need you as my partner here. And I'm always talking about, I want to move to Italy or let me go down to Florida, Florida. or mm-hmm. I, I Florida always once a week, once a week, he hears it. And we will open a shop down in Florida at yeah. some point because <laughs> now we can do it all remote. We don't need, you know, if that's one thing COVID brought out of it was the ability to build remotely. So, yeah, we had a conversation, my husband and I did, and decided it's a lot of money to put Mm -hmm. in and it's a lot of responsibility. And how Monty was saying the difficulties of doing it by yourself and having the pressure on your own. I don't think it made it any less when there were two of us. It's just now there's two of us who don't Mm -hmm. sleep. Now there's two of us who, you know, tied in everything. My husband and I don't have children. And the joke with every banker was what, do you want me to have kids so you can have them? Mm -hmm. Because everything, it's our life. It's our livelihood that's now tied to this. So. Mm I imagine it kind of feels like jumping out of an airplane where there's the anticipation, then your stomach falls out through the floor, but then it starts to, you're like, now that I'm in the air, I'm like, okay, I can do this. Well, we (laughs) went through the roller coaster ride. It took almost, well, a little over two years to get through the full, not even transition, to close the deal. Close everything up. So it was jumping out of an airplane 20 times. And then we'd jump and we'd think we were flying to the ground and the chute was going to open, but we jumped into another plane somehow. Mm -hmm. And then you were climbing back up and then back down. It was a crazy roller coaster ride. So I'm guessing it was all kept kind of behind closed doors the whole time. Nobody picked up on it, but people know when something's going on, right? I think after, yeah, probably a few years in, just because there were so many closed door conversations. Everyone in a small that kind of, hey, yeah. what could they be talking about yeah, back yeah. there? Yeah, there's a lot of closed door conversations right. going on, which isn't the culture of our organization. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure people picked up on something's happening. What but also it? COVID, yeah, that true, there, true, there was a, they didn't know for a good year and a half of the mm-hmm. two years because nobody true. was in the office. Yep. So every meeting was Zoom. True. true. So what's the transmission been like since that purchase got completed? I hate paperwork. Paperwork. <laughs> Love paperwork. <laughs> I hate administrative duties. Yeah, you know, I think for me, and and I, I know somewhat for Monica, the transition is still in evolving, mm-hmm. still in flight, and getting that right mix and balance of day-to-day ops and what's priority mm-hmm. versus strategic visionary planning and engagement, what the time for each really should be right at this point, because uh, Keith, as we've talked to you about, is definitely a visionary and he always needed people around him that could execute and deliver on vision. So We all really relied on him heavily for an idea, creative, you know, and vision. And then we would vet that vision and then talk about how we were going to execute. So now he's still a part of the organization and still involved in transition uh, meetings and he's not going anywhere. That was kind of part of the deal, right? It's part of the deal. You can't go anywhere. You have to help us be successful for some time. But the transition is really trying to balance out your day to day with things that you haven't always been doing 
right, in the past. So I read something, which sure Live uncomfortably. Live yep. uncomfortably. So there's some uncomfortable times for me, I'm sure probably for Monica too, because we're constantly being involved in conversations that we've never really been involved in, mm-hmm. even though we've been running a business for seven, eight years, right? Just never been involved in this aspect or this aspect or, you know, yeah. so it's just, yeah. We're very fortunate that we've been running the company for so many years and that Keith kind of did trust us a few years ago to say, like, Monty, go, Monica, Mm -hmm. go, this is yours. Mm -hmm. So when we announced it to the employees and to our clients, there was nothing but congratulations and they're thrilled to be part of it and thrilled that we didn't sell or Keith didn't sell to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's been seamless. So we're very, very fortunate about that. I mentioned there is probably some relief because, you know, there was, I Mm -hmm. I didn't know this, but, but apparently when I made the announcement, I don't know how I said it, but People said their heart like stopped because they thought the company had sold to someone else. Well, because you, you said, I need to make an announcement and it's going to be better if I just go ahead and rip the bandaid off right now. But that sounds bad. PSI I will was say that just recently bad. sold. But that and, is a uh, Yeah. The new owners are Monty Raglan and Monica Dominic. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody's face was like, what? No, I, do like, oh, I do it. I do it with oh, prospects cool. all the time. Now, this is probably going to be a little more expensive than you thought. And then when you show them the number, they're like, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah. Right? So only uh, Monty didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so he was actual, giving them heart attacks. Actual, actual negotiation tactic per Chris Voss called the persuasion audit mm-hmm. or not, sorry, an accusation audit, right? Yeah. Where you're kind of coming out with like, this is going to be rough. And then they're like, Oh, what's going to happen? And then it's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so, you know, I know you've got to get to the theater at some no, point, so yeah. I don't want to hold you too long. So we'll kind of head, we got a couple more questions and then sure. we'll wrap up. But the first question I have is looking ahead, where do you want to take the company? And is it continuing the same vision or do you have different ideas now that you kind of have full control? Do you have some different ideas you want to implement and change? We started the vision and documenting and then socializing it with the team to make mm-hmm. sure everybody's on board. And so that's how we hire. You know, you got to understand what the vision is, what the values are. And, and you pretty much have the same values because then you don't have to live a double life. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't have to be somebody at home that you're not at work. Yeah. Right. And somebody different at work. You can be the same person. You just come in here and be who you are and do your thing. We've got the vision already documented, really. What I think we can do more of is improve or increase our services, Mm -hmm. right, based on what's happening in the marketplace. We've got to be able to change with the market, and that's going to include some technology-related things, some automation. It's going to change how we engage our client, right, and what the people involved and our staff, what they do now, probably won't be the same thing. They won't do it the exact same way in a couple of years, but they just have to pick up different skills. So we're about improving their skills. We want to continue to have positive social impact on Central Ohio and maybe outside. That's a big thing for us. And we haven't really talked about that much. So from a positive Mm -hmm. social impact standpoint, talk about what that looks like and how that ties into PSI. Yeah. So, you know, Keith, while he's always on different nonprofit boards here in Central Ohio, so Monica and I both followed that kind of path that he kind of set. So, and I sit on the board at COSI, which kind of feeds into our industry, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. And so being involved in that organization and all the other organizations that are supporting it helps us make sure that we're connected to other mm-hmm. companies and institutions in central Ohio who have similar values about what should be happening from a pay it forward standpoint from different companies. And so that's how we build our portfolio. We've got to continue to build our client portfolio with 
organizations and institutions that think like us, mm-hmm. that money's not everything, treat your people right, create this whole ecosystem that just kind of feeds off each other. And Columbus just grows like a mushroom, especially with like, you know, we talk about Intel coming into central Ohio and it's going to change some things. And we've all got to think bigger and bigger doesn't always necessarily mean money. Right. Mm-hmm. But can we have more of a social impact, mm-hmm. right. With how we grow. And so I think with our services, making sure that we start to think outside of what we're doing now, what more can we be doing for those in need? Mm-hmm. And where is that? Is that just here? Because that's where we've been focused for the many years, or is that elsewhere, right? Florida. So. Florida. <laughs> Mike said it. You heard him. <laughs> awesome. And Monica, what about you? What do you see for the future? Growth. Growth. You know, one thing that Monty didn't say that I'm surprised he didn't say yet is think bigger, mm-hmm. do bigger, do more. We are with the company and passionate about the company because of all the things that we've been explaining. Mm -hmm. So we want to continue on that path and do more. Yeah, makes complete sense. And uh, I think it's a good place to head towards our last question of the show. I got two more for you guys. So first one is, you have any advice for our listeners? And our listeners out there, they listen to the podcast because they love listening, hearing stories about entrepreneurs, business owners, people who've gone and done Mm -hmm. and continue Mm -hmm. to grow big things. So that kind of gives you an idea of who we're talking to. So one, I think, is um, if you're thinking about either buying a company or starting a company, make sure you put some good advisors around you and then make sure you identify whether those advisors see your engagement as a long-term relationship or as a transaction. Because if they see it as a transaction, they're going to charge you top dollar every time they give you some advice, ask you for a nickel or a dime. But if they see it as a relationship, they may backload some of those costs and wait to put you in position to earn some money to pay them because they know they're going to be connected to you for the long term. So try to backload some of your costs. And that's what really helped us through our journey mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah my my biggest advice is don't trust the first bank. <laughs> Having that plan B, right? We thought that we were following the right plan and doing many interviews and talking to all the different funders and stuff happens, right? It's nothing nefarious. There's no negative Mm -hmm. connotation around it, but stuff happens. So having that plan B, having that plan C, that's a big thing. But my biggest thing is just trust yourself, Mm -hmm. have the courage, you know, you know, the industry that you want to go into better than anybody, or maybe that is the advice, know the industry, Don't go into something blind, but just trust yourself. It's uncommon to find people that look like Monty and I leading a company and technology. You know, that's a disruptor. That's living uncomfortably. It's getting out of that comfort zone of, you know, I always joke that you tend to see people in our industry conferences that are old white men, gray haired white men on the stage. And it's changing that. It's disrupting it and trusting it. And here we are. You tend to see those old white dudes in a lot of places. You sure do. (laughs) I like old white dudes. They're great. But I also like diversity, right? I like diversity in companies and leadership. I love Mm -hmm. being a woman in technology. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when we're talking about nonprofits that we follow, I'm so passionate about helping women in technology succeed. Women, period, succeed. And people, period, succeed. But especially around women in technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it makes complete sense. One more comment to mm-hmm. answer your question. Expect things to not go right. Yeah. Not be a pessimist, but expect that everything's not going to go as planned. Mm-hmm. And just be prepared for how do you respond. Mm. 
Yeah. And if they say three to six months, know that that might mean three to six years. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's time. It's a long time. Yeah. Everything always takes longer than you expect. But three to six years goes pretty quick. Earlier, what did we, you guys mentioned? I can't remember. It was something earlier. We said 2016, 2017. I'm like, oh, yeah. So like three years ago. And then I thought about it. I go, no, no, no. not three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more than that. A little more than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So as we head towards the last question of the show, you guys have kind of danced around the subject already, but we talked about living uncomfortably and live uncomfortably. That's the theme here on Conquering Columbus. So you've already added a little bit to that. But what do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your lives and careers? Maybe this time we'll start with Monica. I try to live uncomfortably in everything I do. I don't like being boring or living a bored life. Mm-hmm. So whether that's in uh, work and it's always trying to learn more, it's educating more. It's I do a lot of speaking, a lot of keynote speaking and a lot of speaking engagements. And it's trying to find what categories do people want to learn about that I don't know anything about. So mm-hmm. then I can get uncomfortable and then go talk to hundreds of people about it. That's scary. But then in personal life too. It's just about not being stagnant, finding new things, finding what's out there. I prefer to live life a little uncomfortable because I think it's exciting. It's also scary to everything I've always done in my life. And my mom and dad taught my sister and I very well. It's okay to fail and it's okay to fall, just fall forward, Mm -hmm. learn from it. So I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where failure was an option And it was failing forward, falling forward, learning. It was never the participation trophy. It was never, you know, oh, do you need a Band-Aid? It was no, get up, brush it off, Mm -hmm. cry. What'd you learn? Go do it again. Better. So I think that I was just fortunate. Navy dad who you know, kind of took some of that out. It sounded familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I have a Marine Corps father yeah, myself, there you go. so yeah. I get it. And my dad was a submariner, so mm-hmm. lived that kind of crazy lifestyle for a while. And you just learned how to grow from it. Yep. No, it makes a lot of sense. Great answer. Monty? Unfortunately, my answer is not going to be totally different because I got to jump on that coattail a little bit mm-hmm. because most people, including myself, love my parents to death, none better. But most people, similar to me, didn't grow up in a household where you were taught to fail and that it was okay, Mm -hmm. right? Most of us, to the point where we have a culture in our organization where you'd ask anybody in the organization, I'm like, just run a hundred miles an hour and and fall down and bust your face, Mm -hmm. make a mistake, we'll clean it up. And then that's how you learn. But fail fast. Don't be so, you know. Timid. Yeah, don't be so timid, but people aren't used to that. We weren't used to that in an organization, in a company setting, in a work setting, Mm -hmm. that it's okay to fail. So it takes a while for people in our organization, if they're new, to get used to it. Mm -hmm. To To not having the guardrails, too, because we don't put them up. Right, right. And not only that, it's that concept of, hey, I would rather you go big and it be a complete bust than you do small little things every day and and never get anywhere. Right. And right. you're like, oh, well, right. at least I felt good because I hit the goal. Right. right. Well, right. and that's yeah. the thing. And when people are joining our organization, they do not find these in-depth trainings. And we mm-hmm. need you to think outside the box. We want you to fail. We want you to learn hardcore, learn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind yeah. of, I think, a thing that mm-hmm. you sink or swim when you start with our team. Yeah. But we are very fortunate to have a lot of really good swimmers now. We've got a, sure. a team that's stronger than it ever has been. Fantastic. Well, Monty, Monica, it's been great talking to both of you. Thanks so much for coming on the show, talking about your story and talking about PSI. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
and Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. You enjoyed that episode and you want to hear more interviews just like this one, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. We will give you live interviews just like this. Well, recorded interviews, not live <laughs> interviews, sorry. Just like this one every week. We release on Monday, so keep an eye out for those releases. And if you want to learn more about PSI, go to... PSI92.com. PSI92.com. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.